This podcast is brought to you by GoMoto, the service lane kiosk that grows your business. Want to increase revenue, improve the customer experience, and maximize service efficiency? Visit GoMoto.com to learn more. G-O-M-O-T-O.com. I'm Jason Stein, publisher of Automotive News, and this is Daily Drive for Tuesday, February 16th. Sometimes the smallest items can illustrate just how fragile the auto industry really is. You can blame iPad buyers, refrigerators, phones, or your neighbor's ability to find a PlayStation 5 at Christmas time. But chips are the new menace in the auto industry. Semiconductors, to be more specific. The consequences of COVID continue in strange ways, and the work-at-home, stay-at-home reality of the pandemic has led to an enormously large shortage of chips. Those same chips power today's automobiles. In everything from electronic stability control, anti-lock braking systems, Bluetooth, and in-car connectivity. Semiconductor manufacturers needed to prioritize their manufacturing operations in the post-COVID economy. The consumer electronics customers became priority. Automotive is in the back seat. That now means plant shutdowns around the world for most brands. Auto Forecast Solutions forecasts the production of every light vehicle worldwide across six regions and 60 countries. To talk about the effect on dealers, suppliers, and the industry as a whole, we've reached its president, Joe McCabe, outside Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. Joe McCabe, it's good to talk to you. How are you? Uh, Good, Jason. Yourself? Great. You're at the center of, um, well, I, I I would venture to say the epicenter of one of the largest problems that the industry has faced in quite some time. And it kind of, it takes me back to um, paint chips in Japan um, and how, you know, a a small piece of the industry can really affect the rest of the industry. I would imagine you would liken it to that, wouldn't you? Uh, That's that's a good analogy for it. It's correct. Give me your analysis of where we are with semiconductors and and the impact analysis that you've just put together. Yeah, so, you know, obviously we all went through the COVID uh, issues in 2020, and we were tracking that on a weekly basis as well. And there was a little bit of a lull when we felt we were out of somewhat of the woods on a production impact, and here along comes the semiconductor shortage. And, you know, when we looked at the semiconductor shortage, we said, you know, we back when we looked back in March of 2020, no one knew what the impact was of COVID. Now we do. So now when people look at the semiconductor shortage, they go, oh, no, here it is again. We don't know the impact. And we're going to have the same conversation in December of 21. So we decided to go uh, the same level of granularity and look at the plant impacts down the vehicle level and see how that turns out. And we started tracking this in uh, January 13th. When we really start formalizing all the information, we take every plant that gets an announced impact and we say, well, we do a workday analysis. So every plant in our forecast that we do right now has a workday impact. It has a uh, number of shifts, production level, and that comes out with a vehicle build. So when a plant announces either a shift reduction or a shutdown based on the semiconductors, we can then uh, use our algorithm to calculate what the volume impact is going to be. And right now, the impact on a global basis is 1.3 million forecasted, but about 660,000 announced. Now, we take that announcement and we extrapolate the worst case and we keep going for further. So in North America, the announcement's about 210,000 units right now. And I say right now because we're updating this on a daily basis of impacted production volumes. 
but we can extrapolate that out to about 325,000 of forecasted, being plants that we believe have some sort of momentum in this direction of semiconductor. We believe they're going to call for more shutdown going forward. And we're looking at that at those two levels of impact uh, at this point. And when you look at it from that North American perspective, uh, the the number of plants and locations is truly all over the board, isn't it? I mean, we we stretch from Ontario to Mexico. Right, right. Yeah, we've been tracking this. You know, we look at the plants that are shut down across North America. So all no one's been insulated by this effect. You know, and this this is true from our perspective. This is a classic example of where, like you said, one thing has that butterfly effect across the world. And we're going to see the future where I believe that we're going to see OEM say enough of this. We can't be relying on Taiwan or something that we're sharing with a different industry. We're going to get together and we're going to have our own supply consortium. You know, the, I could see a day where Detroit three or if we, you know, how we how we bank Stellantis into one of those three as saying, let's get together and build our own chips. Let's not be affected by another, God forbid, impact. Uh, where we could have something that we could control. And I think we're going to see that in the future. And that's across the supply chain, a more, more focus on more um, secondary and tertiary ways so they're not impacted by this one thing affecting everything. Uh, in terms of the plants, we do see some insulated. Right now we see BMW and Daimler and Hyundai are somewhat insulated from this. That may not be the case tomorrow, but that's what we're seeing. But uh, I, a grand perspective we are seeing the impacts of most of the other players and i think we talked about this in the past where you know if we see something like a ford f-series or chevy silverado get hit that's where the flag goes up when your marquee high value products go up we saw ford getting that but then we see gm come back saying no we're going to protect our our marquee our high value products our silverados and sierras so we're hoping that they can stay on that course but who knows what's going to happen in the next couple of days. And, and when you look at the numbers and the estimated um, volume impact and the effective net work down, workday shutdown, rather, where are some of the larger numbers? Yeah, so look at my data right this second. And uh, one of the largest numbers we have is um, the Toluca plant for Stellantis. They have uh, down four weeks that they've announced. So we're looking at 29 work days of impact there. Uh, Ford at Louisville. They basically have 24 net days of impact. We see uh, Kansas Fairfax facility for GM, 19 days, uh, Ingersoll, 19 days. So there's a few in the plus 15 day category that what we've done is we've called them sort of on the at risk line. So anything over 21 days of announced, we're going to call it at risk, meaning maybe it won't be recoverable. But right this second, because we're early February, we see this is going to be something that's going to be recoverable. So Q1 and Q2, suppliers will see an impact, but we see that impact getting pushed into Q3 and Q4. So even though we're calling for uh, for up to 300,000 units of North America impact, right this second, we're not changing our North America 15.9 million top line for 2021. We'll hear more from Joe McCabe after this message. Your service check-in process sets the tone for your customer's entire visit. Do your customers wait longer than five minutes to check in for service? Are your advisors presenting upsells to every customer every time? How often is the opportunity for trade appraisals missed? When your service drive gets busy, these inefficiencies directly impact revenue. 
give your customers the option to handle the entire check-in process themselves. From appointment scheduling through final confirmation, all in under two minutes. Customers have the experience they want while selling themselves, which means your advisors are freed up to focus on profit-producing activities. It's a win-win for both CSI and your revenue. Introducing a smarter service link. GoMoto is the self-service kiosk designed to grow your business. If you're ready to start increasing revenue, improving the customer experience, and maximizing service efficiency today, visit GoMoto.com. That's G-O-M-O-T-O.com. And let's go around the world a little bit. What are you seeing in Europe? What are you seeing in Asia Pacific? Yeah. Um, again, look at my sheets, can't memorize them all. So we're talking about Europe. We look at Europe into two main categories, Eastern and Western Europe. Eastern is less of impact, more like 25,000 units, but Western Europe is more about 180,000 units. And we can forecast Western Europe, though, up to about 420. So if we look at the plants that are impacted and the significance of those plants, uh, we see a, a sizable multiple. In fact, if you look at Europe, Europe at a group region, so if you group uh, Europe by itself, China by itself, rest of Asia and North America by themselves, Europe, Europe is by far the one getting the heaviest impact. China is looking at an impact of over 200,000, but we don't have any at-risk plants in China. We don't see any announcements of over 21 days of shutdown. Rest of Asia is under about under 200,000. And North America, like I said, where, you know, we can see a range of anywhere from 200 to about 325 in term and thousand units in terms of the impact on them. And even South America, it, it has, a, you're, you're measuring a, a fairly small number here in terms of impact, yeah, right? You know, last week we didn't have a South America story. Now we have about 15,000 units that could go up to about 30,000. So again, no one has been insulated. In fact, we even have Middle East Africa, that's uh, dropped into the list about 8,000 units that could go up to about 16 in the uh, forecast window. So if you asked me the same question last week, South America, Middle East Africa weren't even on the map, and now they are. So no one is being uh, insulated from this effect. So kind of the unintended consequences of COVID, right? This, this is not, um, as we examine the semiconductor shortage problem, this is not something the auto industry could have really called for or expected, I'm guessing. Yeah, you know, if we if we equate this back to 2009, 2009 was an economic impact. This one was a dual fact. It was a a health impact that turned into an economic one. When COVID hit everyone, everyone's lights went off. When COVID has recovery, everyone's lights go on. So you had this light switch moment. There wasn't this ability to build a a, a uh, an amount of uh, semiconductors or any product for that matter and have them ready to go. Everyone was turned off. So when you turn these lights back on, now everyone's rushing to the game, right? When they rush into the game, they say, I need my parts. Well, semiconductors are affecting all industries, consumer electronics. So, you know, I have two girls and they have to work at home uh, virtually for school. That means they need two new iPads, laptops to get the job done. And that affected a whole world. So automotive had to get second in line almost to consumer electronics. So I don't think this is going to be the last one. The new one we're going to see potentially is going to be a steel and a raw material supply that's going to funnel in. It's just semiconductors right now is the one that's seeing a global push. So if I'm a car dealer in the middle of the country, why does this matter to me? Well, if you're a car dealer, the VMs, what they're doing is they're saying, we're going to reappropriate 
our chips that we need to our high profit, low inventory vehicles. And we're going to take them from our high inventory, low profitability vehicles. So whoever's got pasture cars left in North America, you know, not the Detroit three mostly, but others, uh, you're going to see this movement of those chips into the ones they can put into their larger vehicles. A lot of these vehicles across the manufacturer share the same chips. A lot of them share chips across manufacturers, a lot of commonality and memory chips and things like that. But certain chips have proprietary software on them. Uh, so they're, they're dedicated to that vehicle and that vehicle grouping. But if I'm a dealer and I have pickup trucks or I have large SUVs, I'm going to hope that I can basically maintain my pipeline of inventory before that inventory gets hit with the semiconductors. So certain people are being good. GM is being good about controlling it and, again, keeping their trucks out of the light of the impact issue. It doesn't mean they're never going to get hit by this. So if you're a dealer, you got to look at what inventory you have in your most profitable vehicles. And once that inventory gets exhausted, is there going to be enough to get uh, a refill from that manufacturer? So that's where the issue is in, in, in terms of a dealer perspective. And if I'm a tiered supplier, what am I looking at as we go into the latter part of the quarter? Yeah, again, tiered supplier, you know, they they are going to see a pullback on production if their parts require some semiconductors. And even if they don't, that you know, for a just-in-time part that may not need chips, the manufacturing, you know, the plants don't want that part yet. So it's going to have to be sort of warehoused at that supplier. But that supplier is going to learn from the COVID issue. They're not going to just stop production if they have to. They're going to keep producing. So when the faucet gets turned back on, that back on, they're ready to deliver. Uh, too too often when the COVID thing hit, everyone said, "Well, we're going to pull back because there's this forecast. It's going to last longer." And all of a sudden, the sales went up, and they everyone was scrambling. And when they scramble, you got to get everyone back healthy. You got to get them, you know, making sure they're comfortable in the work environment and producing. So I think suppliers are going to learn from 2020. They're going to build. They're going to warehouse products when they can, and they're going to be ready to ship them as fast as they can to this to their OEMs. But they should see a Q1 hit at a minimum sometime, and maybe a little bit of a Q2 as well. So you're tracking this on a daily basis, which we appreciate. What are you going to be looking for, let's say over the next uh, two to three weeks? We are looking for plants. We're looking for plants that stop moving up in days. So if they were a one to, if they were a sub seven day shutdown now and they start moving into a two and three week, that, that's of concern to us. We're hoping that the reduction in plants uh, that the, you know, less plants, number one, are announcing a shutdown. And those that are announcing shutdowns are the gap of the day is reducing. If we can see that, we're good. Our concern is that we have this ball rolling down a hill. And those that say seven days today, next week we'll say 14 days. And then the following week we'll say 21 days. So they're not out of the woods. They just keep on pushing that ball further down. So we're tracking how many plants on a week-to-week basis are in the 1 to 7, 8 to 14, uh, 15 to 21, and over 21 workday shutdown. The good news is the over 21 workday shutdown is it's under 10 plants. And we're hoping to keep this, keep it that way. When we see that curve going the other direction, there's going to be more in the over three weeks than there are in the under one week. Now we're starting to see, well, will this actually impact top lines, bring our 15.9 million North America unit uh, down, and then really start uh, being pushed into 2022? 20, right now, we're not seeing that. 
Excellent analysis. Thank you so much for uh, informing us, better informing us, and we will be tracking this week by week just like you. Thank you, Jason. It was a pleasure. We reached Joe McCabe outside Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. And that's Daily Drive for Tuesday, February 16th. For breaking news, go to autonews.com. And for a library of more than 200 interviews, go to autonews.com slash daily drive. We'll be back Wednesday. <laughs>